Did you get to, to finish it? No. How much did you read? I... Let me see it. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I'm a slow reader. Okay. So I had to... Pretty much just had to... Um, skim through it. I haven't had a whole lot of time. Yeah, no but worries. I mean, if I you, read a lot. If you uh, would like to finish it and keep reading it, I mean, I don't want to take it away if you actually want to finish it. Oh, that's all right. I got, I read through the the stuff that I was interested in. So I read the prologue, and then I read through the charges. I skimmed through the charges. Um, but yeah, a lot of it I'm pretty familiar with. Um, and then went, I kind of poked around here, but mostly I read through the charges <laughs> and then the prologue. So, okay. so you like you read through like all the archaeological artifacts and like the writings contained within the Book of Mormon and all that stuff? Um, <clears throat> no, no, no. I, I read through this, the, let's see, there's one for me. Very well put together, though. Yeah. Um, 139. Yeah, like all of these. Um, like the Bible is a whole word of God. And then uh, kind of skim through it. And then how they point to Revelation. And, uh, but yeah, so I, basically I read through the the individual charges. Okay. And then uh, touched it back at the answers. Okay. Hey. Uh, it's all right. Um, <clears throat> some water sounds great. Where are you guys eating? That's a good question. They have a Denver omelet burger. Oh. Omelet burger. Sounds good. I just want something simple. Just like that. Y'all have a busy day planned? Um, kinda. So we, uh, it's our planning day. So we have to like plan for the next week and everything. And then, Everything. Yeah. Thursdays are planning days? Yeah, pretty much. Usually just takes a couple hours and then... I mean, we'll still go out and like knock on doors and stuff tonight, though. Huh. Did you, you say, I think we asked you... Have you ever had missionaries come knock no, on your door? You okay, guys. Alright, thank you. you. Yeah, you have. Okay. Yeah, a few times. Once it was solicited, the other times it wasn't. Oh, right. You, you asked me. That would make you happy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's try that.
Hello, guess so where are you from? Utah. Utah? Okay. <laughs> where about? Uh, late in Utah. Oh, where is that in relation to uh, Salt Lake? It's, uh, it's about an hour north of Salt Lake. Okay. Five minutes maybe. Do you know where Ogden is? Ogden? Yeah. No, but I've heard of it. So. Okay. Yeah, it's like, it's just below Ogden. So okay. it's like Salt Lake. Does something fancy happen in Ogden? Um, Periodically. Maybe um, we have parades there. Right. Or something. I can't like remember a, if I met someone that's from Ogden or. Um, I know other smokers from Ogden. That's it? why it probably okay. sounds familiar. Oh, I know. Yeah. I thought it's become a more sketchy part of Utah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Ogden? Yeah, I feel thorough. I've got family that lived there at one point. I'm terrible at figuring out what I want to eat. Yeah, I think, because my, our, like, Weaver State is right next to Ogden, isn't it? Um, yes. Yeah, my uncle lived there. I think my, my uncle still lives in Ogden, because he's one of the professors at Weaver. Yeah, so I know a lot of people live there. What's the Swedish crate? Huh? Swedish? Oh, Tart Lincolnberg. It's kind of Swedish. It's kind of Swedish. <laughs> so how's work been? Busy. Busy? Yeah, we've, um, yeah, I told you, we're pioneering a, an untested market of yeah. selling pest control online. Mm -hmm. And it has been... It has been interesting to say the least. <laughs> um, it's been good though? Yeah. It's been positive? We just, um, the last three weeks, my wife and I have uh, just rebuilt the whole website from the ground up, and that was a lot of work. Wow. Right after we got, we just built a website, I did, and then it just wasn't working, so we had to redo it with a completely different platform. And, Dang. But it's working now. Well, that's good. Yeah. So we've, we've made uh, nine cells in the last week and a half. And yeah, and we've only made that many cells online since March. So it's working. I think so. Can I get forty? Split the, the ticket? I got this. You sure? All righty. It's on me. He got this. He got, this. <laughs> got it. All right. Um, have your own breakfast. I'll have a strawberries and cream crepe with uh, scrambled eggs. I do a, a one bacon, one sausage. Okay. Or, yeah, okay, and hash brown. Alright, um, get the, the quick two egg breakfast. And then, is there any way I can like swap out the toast for like pancakes? Pancakes? For, for pancakes. Oh. Yeah, that'll be like the pancake tumble. Oh, is that the pancake? Yeah, okay, cool. I got you. You want regular pancake? Uh, yeah. Alright, how would you like your eggs? Uh, over medium. Bacon or sausage? Uh, bacon. If you put... I'll do the, uh, 
Build the perfect omelet. Okay, what kind of cheese would you like on top? Cheddar. Alright, who would you like that omelet? Let's do... To spinach. Yeah. I'll tell you what, let's just do the bacon temptation omelet. Pancakes, hash It comes with it? Yes, it comes with either uh, pancakes or hash browns or toast or food. Okay. Hash browns is fine. I'll put this in for you guys if you need anything. So yeah, work's been going. Work's been busy, so it's good. But yeah. So tell me, um, so tell me what. Give me a gospel presentation from start to finish. So like the church, our church. Yeah. So principle. No. What does what does someone need to know to be saved? So essentially, why? What's the gospel? So that's what is we, the yeah. So the so, gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, but we're talking not just a. What I want is a robust, mm -hmm. detailed, but also concise yeah. presentation of the gospel from start to finish. Yep. So that would be pretty simple, um, and we can go into more detail if you'd like, but. First, faith in Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. I'm going to be distracted by your ring until you tell me about it real quick. <laughs> no worries. It's it's a sunstone. So uh, it was on the Nauvoo Temple. Okay. Um, and it, Joseph Smith saw it in a vision, um, and it represents the restoration of the gospel. Okay. So it's in Revelations as well. It talks about the sun, the moon, and the stars. Um, so there's the sun, stars, and the moon. And so in Revelations... The way that we believe um, that it's talking about the woman in heaven is that it's referring to the restoration and, and that sort of thing. And so, gotcha. the sun. Never seen it in rings. It's a moon. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I wanted to. Have you heard of CTR rings? CTR ring? Yeah. No. Like Mormons, like most Mormons have. I don't have. Like, I lost. It, it means like choose a right. Just like, just a reminder. Like, yeah, like something to, to do. And so I was like, I want a CTR ring, but I don't want like just a lame, like average CTR, CTR ring. No. So that I was, was like, cool. Yeah. So I was like, I found this and I was like, that's close enough to a CTR ring, but way cooler than a CTR ring. So like, nice. So, all right. Now I won't cut you off. Okay. <laughs> no worries. So, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, the way that we are saved, we believe, is first faith in Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing that we have to do is have faith in Jesus Christ. That's what leads to everything else. Right. As we have faith in Jesus Christ, that'll lead us to repentance. And then repentance will lead us to baptism. And then after baptism, we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then from the Holy Ghost, we endure to the end. We have to continue keeping the commandments and doing the things that God asks us to do. So, so what are those things? Like, like the commandments. So like, yeah, similar five and dirty end. Meaning we just like repeat the whole process over again. Continue to have faith with our lives. Right. It's not like once we're baptized, we're just you know we can just do whatever we want and be saved in a sense. We continue to have faith throughout our life yeah. and continually repenting. 
love this quote I heard that's like, it said, you know, repentance is not a backup plan in case our plan to live perfectly fails. Repentance is like this process throughout our life to continually become more like Christ, and continually changing in our life to become Christ-like people. Okay. So what does it mean? <clears throat> All right, so if you can hit on from pre-existence to eternity um, to what the goal of, what is the goal of the church, the life. Um, so essentially, why we're here, why Christ needs to die? Why is there a church? Why do I even want to make it to the celestial kingdom? And so on and so forth. Yeah. And what happens with those that don't believe, essentially? Right. So that's so, what we call the plan of salvation. All right. Have you heard of that? Yes. Yeah. So it's pretty... All right. Eight, le long. eight lessons in one, right? Eight lessons in one. Huh? Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> um, so, so, okay. So we believe that we, for this life, dwell with God as spirit children of Him. He's our Heavenly Father. We have love Him. The spirits, we have bodies at that time. And kind of think about it like, there's there's not so much we could like experience in heaven being with Him, you know, like we can experience this struggles of life and we're kind of sheltered in a way. Kind of like if you're like if you just like stay at home your whole life and like your parents never let you leave to go to college or anything, like you'll never have the experience to like help you learn and grow. And God knows it's the same way. So we create and form an earth for us to live it. Oh and also to start off, we read in the book of Moses that God's it says God's working glory is to bring to pass the immortality and the eternal life of man. I mean, our mm -hmm. purpose is to purpose of Him creating this life this earth for us is for us to receive immortality and eternal life. I'll explain more about that in a minute. No, yeah. <laughs> but. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so from the, with like Adam and Eve, mm -hmm. what's your understanding of like their story? Like, what do you know about like their story? For, like, what do you like? What do you think of their story? Like, I know you know, but like, do you think it was a tragedy? Do you think it was yeah. part of God's plan? Do you think Adam and Eve like messed up? I think it was like, I don't know. What, what are I, your views on it? Yeah. Well, I just want to hear y'all's presentation all the way through. Okay. Well then. So, all right. Pretend I'm ignorant. I'm very knowledgeable on Adam and Eve, and I'm very knowledgeable on, um, yeah. So, I hold the traditional Christian view. Okay. All right. Well. So, since God is all knowing and all powerful, um, He knew exactly what was going to happen with Adam and Eve from the time He created them the creation of the world he's all-knowing you know yeah um, and so of course we believe that before this life we lived with God like you said and that we were learning and progressing but we got to the point where we couldn't learn and progress anymore in God's presence okay. because just like you said you can't learn in the house and so if we lived in our house forever <laughs> um, and so sent us to the earth, or well, he put Adam and Eve on the earth so that they could be tested, but of course God can't 
make Adam and Eve break the commandments because he's God. That's what the devil does. Mm -hmm. And so he gave them the choice to either follow him or to choose to partake of the tree and to fall. Um, he gives them a commandment not to. Right. So because they do, they're disobeying him. And as a, as a result, you know what happens? They're kicked out of the garden. They, they you know, God says that they take away, shall surely die. Um, so we believe there's two deaths that entered the world: physical and spiritual death. Okay. Physical death being the separation from our bodies and our souls, like our spirits and our bodies, you know, like in our bodies and with our soul instead. The ground. Um, in, in spiritual, it's almost ready, guys. We need to catch up Tabasco. What should we do? Tabasco would be phenomenal. Yeah. Spiritual death is a separation between us and God. So we were kicked down with God's presence, and we're, and we're now. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to stays. So. And that's the result of the fall. So that's the result of the fall. But yeah, um, of course we believe that before um, Adam and Eve, well the reason that it was so necessary for Adam and Eve to partake of the fruit is of course, well it's, it's called the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, mm -hmm. one thing. So before that, they didn't have the knowledge of good or evil. They didn't even have that knowledge. So, or like at least not a good understanding. Yeah, not a good understanding because they never experienced bad, so they couldn't even know it was good, really. So like, and they knew God commanded them not to, so they knew like it was a bad thing not to, but they don't understand like why or like yeah. what sin was and like. Okay. They had no idea because they like a head Yeah, I mean it's, it's like if if you ate the same food for your entire life, the exact same thing, chocolate cake, you wouldn't even know. You wouldn't know anything good. about bacon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't even know it tastes good. Or if like a dad's like tells a kid like, don't touch the burner, it'll hurt. And you're like, hurt? What does hurt? Yeah, if you've never been hurt before. Gotcha. That's what that is. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> and so, um, so we gave them a commitment, and they did it. They fell, but because of it, they were able to have joy. They were able to have the knowledge. Um, so of course, the, our belief though is that the purpose of this life is to choose God, is to use our agency to gain a body, a physical body, and then to choose God. Agency being free will. Yes. The ability to choose, and so you can choose God. Pretty much. Um, because Adam and Eve fell, you know, we're on this earth and we're immortal, and we don't have a capability ourselves to overcome physical or spiritual death. Scramble one bacon, one sausage. Thank you. You're welcome, honey. It's great, thank you. You're welcome. And I'll be right out with your crepes, baby. Thank you. Oh, could we get some ketchup as well? I got you. Awesome. I'll pray for us. Okay. God, we thank you for today. Thank you for um, this time together that we have to talk about you. And uh, I pray that you would bless this food. Thank you for making food taste good. That's a grace in and of itself. And so we pray that we would enjoy this food. And thank you for providing it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You ever thought about that? He didn't have to make food taste good. <laughs> That's a grace in and of itself. <laughs> it is. Anyways, go ahead.
we be on stars. We know that we can overcome death. Thank you. You're welcome. I bring you some more water. So physical and spiritual, meaning like actual death, like sin. Like we can't overcome sin by ourselves. We can't overcome death alone. And so we got prepared for the Messiah, our Redeemer, Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, to come and to prepare the way, show us the way. Okay. And then because Jesus Christ was resurrected on the third day, uh -huh. broke the bands of death, and it's possible that we could all be resurrected as well. And with God. Mm -hmm. And so in his resurrection, and then after the res well, actually before the resurrection, after we die, um, Obviously, the dust where our bodies will return to the dust, and then he craved this cup. As Ecclesiastes 12 7 says, the dust will return to the earth as it was, and our spirits will return to the God who gave it. Um, but we, we believe, of course, from the Book of Mormon, spirits until the time of our resurrection go to two places, one of two places. Um, either Spirit Paradise or Spirit Prison. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like it's kind of like Heaven Hell. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, a, I guess, yeah, pretty much like Heaven Hell. Of course, we believe that there's more to that, the different degrees of glory, like you said. Well, let's not. And so this isn't really quite. Huh? Yeah, that's not. Yeah, I mean, like after after the resurrection. Okay, yeah. So I just skipped that. So, so I mean, to me, it doesn't make sense to after we died, we go straight to heaven or hell, and then after we went to heaven or hell, and then we came and stood before God at judgment and Jesus Christ. And he said, "All right, this is what you did wrong. Go back to heaven. Go back to hell." Of course, we know that we're going to be judged at the resurrection. Yeah. So there's got to be a time in between our death and the resurrection. Go. Our belief is that it's either spirit prison or spirit paradise. Gotcha. And so, and so that's the spirit world. I'll take them. I'll take them. Just put them over here. Thank you. I think I think you're the winner. Yeah, that's that's good. That's what they call winner, winner chicken dinner. <laughs> so, there's the spirit world. Everything looks okay, guys? Yeah, it looks great. Thank you. You know, when Jesus Christ told the, the thief on the cross that today you'll be with me in paradise. Mm -hmm. Now that, of course, our belief is that it wasn't actually heaven, and the reason that he was able to go to the spirit world without yet being baptized. If he wasn't baptized, which we really don't know, yeah, we, mm -hmm. we really have no idea. It never says anything in the Bible. But if he had not ever been baptized, because the Bible, where is it? it's in Peter, it talks about how after Christ's death, that he went to prison and he preached unto the spirits in prison. And you wonder, like, why would Jesus Christ go and preach to the spirits in prison? Mm -hmm. And so. Um, later on, it tells us so that they will be judged according to the flesh, but live with God according to the spirit. And so, and then and later on, Paul is writing to people of Corinth, and he 
Chinese, they're, the people of Corinth are really confused about like baptism and the importance of baptism. The resurrection. resurrection, yeah. Like, if they're even the resurrection. Yeah. And he's like, why else would you be baptizing for the dead if there was no resurrection? Why are you baptizing for the dead? And so that's where we get our belief for baptism for the dead. For baptizing for those who never got the opportunity in this life. Mm -hmm. Because it was a teaching that was in Christ's perfect church. And so, um, so yeah, the people who are in prison, those never even got to hear about Jesus Christ. We know there are people that have never even heard the name Jesus Christ. And we have to have faith in Jesus Christ in order to even be saved. Um, so, they're not out of luck. Father in heaven, he's got a perfect plan for everyone to be saved, and so created the two places for us to go for them to have an opportunity to have as well. I feel like I've just been talking for a long time. Go, good food. Go, he wants to eat some of his eggs. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so, so you know, the two deaths, physical and spiritual, um, to overcome physical death, it's a free gift to all. God, or Christ, has suffered us, has was died, crucified, gave his life for us, and because of that, we, could, we will all be resurrected. It's a free gift that we you know, all be able to have, you know, immortal, so that's one of the steps. Like, Whether people believe in Christ or not, mm -hmm. that's a gift paid for for all. Yep. Okay. It talks about that in the Bible as well. That everybody's going to be resurrected at least. Mm -hmm. okay. But on the other side, spiritual death, that's it's a choice for ourselves. If we want to repent, if we want to like, accept Christ, and, you know, strive to help allow His atonement to take it take place in our lives by obedience to the laws and the of the gospel, by by repenting of our sins, by trying to be like Him, He enables us to be able to become repented, to be forgiven, to be holy again, so we can have eternal life and we can dwell with God forever. But it's, it's an option for all that have heard Christ, so they can accept Him, they can reject Him. Um, if they have heard Christ, like He said, all the time in the spirit prison after this life to accept Christ. So what happens to people in spirit prison that do not accept Christ in the? So that's where the that's where the three kingdoms come in. The celestial, terrestrial, and celestial. Yeah. And so it talks in like Corinthians. Paul's talking about the resurrection. It's kind of like it's. it's I like to think about it like just even in this life, like. If you want to be a happy person, you have to live a happy life, you know? You have to do the things that will make you happy. You have to be obedient, like, sinners, although they may seem like they're having a time of life or whatever, they're not necessarily happy. It says in the Book of Mormon, wickedness never was happiness. And so if you want to be happy, you have to like, live a happy life. And if you do that, you'll be a happy person, you'll be a heavenly person, and you'll want to, you'll be, you'll want to live with God. And if you live your way in such, live your life in such a way that you're like evil, 
and you just don't really, you're just not a godly person, and you wouldn't even feel comfortable living in God's presence. So God will prepare a place for them, because it loves everyone. So He's prepared like a glory of the sun and the moon and the stars, depending on how happy you live your life. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I, like, I definitely can tell, like when people are like super happy and just like very faithful person, they kind of have like a light about them, you know, like a glow brightness it's like it's like that's because they've chosen to be christ-like and christ shines through them and people i met this guy knocking doors one time who was just absolutely depressed and just like you know he told us he wanted to go to hell and it was like i was like why like he was just like I, he was just like so just like a dark demeanor and stuff so it's kind of like you know the stars are darker moon it's kind of like it's a choice you make yourself by how you live which place you want to go except christ and stuff so of course you have to be baptized, but that's something that everyone have the opportunity to do because of, because of baptism to the dead and things you don't know about in this life. Okay. You know, baptism doesn't save us. It's like the, the key, because like, you know how Jesus Christ talks about like, straight is the way and narrow is the gate? It's kind of like the key to the gate that opens the door and lets us enter onto the path to, to the celestial kingdom, essentially. Baptism without faith is pointless. Yeah. <laughs> so which is, yeah. It's a bad. Which is why it starts with faith, then repentance, then the baptism, right. holy ghost, and then enduring repeating the cycle. Of course. Well, that's. Yeah. And by repeating the cycle, you don't mean rebaptize. No. No, but <coughs> we do renew the baptismal covenant every week as we partake of the sacrament. Okay. Yeah. Yep. You know, it talks about. Jesus Christ, he talks about how those who eat his flesh and blood will have eternal life and, and that sort of thing. And how um, he talks, when he's giving the sacrament, or when he's instituting the, I guess, the sacrament, and he, with his, the 12 apostles, the night that he was, the Last Supper, there we go. <laughs> The Last Supper is instituting the sacrament, and he tells them that this is the new covenant, which you should always remember. The sacrament is the new covenant. The old covenant was Moses' law, right? Yeah. In the way that sacrifice, yeah, you know, had to sacrifice in order to be forgiven of their sins. Sacrifice a, a lamb, something in smell to Jesus Christ, and they'd be forgiven. And so that was the old covenant, the way that they were forgiven. And Jesus Christ institutes the new covenant, which is bread and water. Well, bread and water. The cup, is what yeah. it says. <clears throat> so we, we just drink water. But, mm -hmm. um, but to us, that's like, it's pretty much the same thing as the sacrifice for the Lamb, because Jesus Christ represents the Lamb, the representation of Jesus Christ. So we partake of His sacrifice, and we partake of the sacrament and water. And it renews our covenants that we made at baptism just to take upon the name of Jesus Christ and keep his commandments. So. so that's how we repeat the cycle. So the plan of salvation is kind of like the roadmap, and then the gospel of Jesus Christ is the instructions through the roadmap. Like, this is how you get through everything and, and how you make it back. So. Okay. So what about, what is outer darkness and... How does one make it, and what is the celestial kingdom? So, the celestial kingdom is where we believe God dwells. If you need anything, just let me know. By God, you mean Heavenly Father? Yeah. Yep. Awesome, thank you. You're welcome.
so people can define like hell as like anywhere God's not, which would be like the other two kingdoms, because technically it doesn't belong there. You can say that's the last two kingdoms, like hell. I, I, I think they'll still be like a good place. I think not. Like, yeah. Oh, like military. I know. Yeah, it's still a glory, yeah. and it's still better than this world, but having the knowledge or like knowing that you could have had so much better is going to be hell in and yeah. of itself, and knowing that you're never going to live with God and Jesus Christ is hell in and of itself, like the that feeling, that belief, and, and just knowing that for the rest of eternity is going to be hell, and so hell is kind of like a state of mind, really. Because you're stuck. There's no more progression. I mean, like, the word damned literally means to stop progression. And so, we believe in eternal progression, and that's only possible through the celestial kingdom. All the other kingdoms, you're damned. There's no more progression. So, okay. so there's the three kingdoms, and then there's after darkness, which means. Dark darkness is where like Satan will go and his like followers, those that have known Christ, denied the Holy Ghost, the unpardonable sin, and I would say very few people are even qualified to go there because you have to know so much. You have to literally like have like a sure knowledge and testimony of Jesus Christ. Like, Joseph Smith, yeah, Joseph Smith said that like deny him. Yeah, you have to have like the heavens opened. Like having like a sure knowledge, and then say, "I'm not Jesus Christ," pretty much, and deny the Holy Ghost. Gotcha. And then you're uh, in the tradition. Yep. Have you heard of that? Like, yep. 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 Yeah. So, so why would one want to go to the celestial kingdom? And then the celestial, like you have heaven. levels. Yep. There's three degrees within the celestial kingdom. Okay. Because. And it, I mean, it's, it's heaven. Like, why would anybody want to go to heaven? It's, it's a celestial kingdom. Yeah. It's and so, what are the three levels there? Call names. Yeah. It's like different points of qualifications for each. So, for the top point, the top like level, you have to be married, concealed, in a temple. Trials. I mean, it's the same sort of thing with baptism. For those, for those that never got the opportunity to hear about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and hear about all these things, they're going to be given a chance, and they'll have the opportunity, opportunity to be sealed with their family forever and to be able to make it. Like, all of the opportunities that they never got the chance to do and never even heard about, they'll get the chance. So... Okay. And so in, I guess, the highest level of the celestial is exaltation. And then one question I've wondered, and not to sound disrespectful, but the, so when you're sealed in the temple, um, the, your undergarments, these are, what is the purpose of that? It's really a reminder. A reminder? Yeah. Kind of like, like a wedding ring? Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot like that. It's, it's, I mean, you know how like every religion, they have symbol, like mm -hmm. symbolic. Like yeah. In like 
across kind of like it's it's pretty much like the same sort of thing. Okay. Like it's like an outward showing an outward expression of an inward Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious. Mm -hmm. I'd never asked anybody that before. Yeah. That's right. I think someone asked me that one other time on my mission. I've heard people give Mormons a, a hard time over it. Yeah. But it makes sense within the worldview. So. I don't know. I don't know it's, what I, about it. I don't know, I don't understand where like, let's get so much crap for that, yeah. but then like, Jews wear those little caps, and like, Muslims wear their stuff, and like the turbines and everything, and you don't get a whole bunch of crap for that. Oh. <laughs> Not nearly as much, at least. But And from what I heard, they're extremely comfortable. Oh, they, so. are, they are super, they're super comfortable. And there's like, five different kinds of like, material. They're awesome. I don't know. <laughs> I even heard from a, um, there was some. He, of course, they they uh, they left Mormonism, but they said that's the biggest thing that they're gonna miss. Is the comfort of the? Yes. Um, they said, and, and I'm I'm not not trying to make light of any of it, but they said that they're gonna be really sad when they wear out. <laughs> Terrible. So. I know, it's very, it's very like personal and sacred. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it makes sense within the worldview. And uh, so I don't really have qualms with with that. So. And so that, so why was it necessary? What did Jesus accomplish on the cross? Just real quick, I know you touched on it. I can't remember what you said. It made it possible to be a, for everyone to. Yeah. When he suffered in the garden, he was atoning for our sins. It's the only way, <clears throat> the only possible. If that never happened, this whole entire thing, the reason we, there'd be no food, purpose. Food probably wouldn't even taste good. Yeah. <laughs> there'd be no joy. There yeah. would be no. Yeah. Like. So when he suffered in the garden, what do you mean? When he suffered in the garden of Gethsemane. Okay. He suffered for our sins, blood from every pore. And then he died on the cross. He died for our sins. That was all absolutely necessary. Like, that's the most important thing. The most important thing about our church is Jesus Christ and that he atoned for our sins. Okay. Everything else that we believe is pretty much appendages from that. Like... That is, that is it, <laughs> like that, yeah, we kind of like skimmed over that, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is absolutely the most important thing, but of course, because he did rise on the third day, that made it possible so that we could <clears throat> all be resurrected as well, because he, oh, go ahead. People often ask, like, why we don't believe in like crosses or whatever, well, we don't believe in it, so it's kind of like a symbol of his death. We really like to focus on his life and the fact that we, because he died, like he did die, and, you know, but because he did, we can live for him. He lived again. He has eternal life. We focus on the resurrection. Gotcha. So. Most often, it's like a checking the text. Um. So, 
Who is God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit? God is the Father, Elohim, Father, Spirit, and Jesus Christ is the Son of Jehovah He was sent here for us as a, as a mediator between us and God because, you know, even if we have bad thoughts, nothing is being connected to the kingdom of heaven. So God sent us Jesus Christ to die for us. Um, we believe the Holy Ghost is something that God has given us to show us the right way, to teach us through the Spirit. He is the Spirit. And uh, comfort us. Like, you know, comfort us. Love us. To enlighten our minds, to show us the way, to give us a conscience. That's kind of the purpose of the Holy Ghost. Three, three separate. Yep. Okay. Are they all God? It's all part of the Godhead. Paul puts it as Godhead in the where exactly it is. Romans talks about the Godhead. Um, yeah, so we believe they're all part of the Godhead. Okay. We believe that they are gods, but that there's only one God for us, and that's God the Father. Okay, so we don't worship Jesus? We worship God through Jesus. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. I mean, I guess kind of in a sense because it, it does talk about like the apostles, how like when Jesus walked on water and everything, they worshiped him. It talks about that. And so, like, in a sense, kind of, but. Jesus Christ, the only way to get to God is through Jesus Christ. So God is like the father of our spirits. He's no matter what, even if we become exalted, no matter what, we will always worship God our Father. He's always gonna be the God of us. Okay. No one else, no one before, no one after, no one. That's it. So but Jesus Christ made it, he's the mediator in which we get to the Father. It's the only way that we can get to the Father. Okay. And like, thinking of all the quotes of Christ, he was always pointing to God. And again, I'll do this not of myself, but yeah. all things took to God, you did for the glory, not my will, but then we Everything you did was always pointing to God. He talks about how it's like, you'll know that it's my father's doctrine and not of my own, or like how it's God's doctrine and it's not his own doctrine and everything, so. Okay. All right. Now let me share with you what I believe. Okay. And then we can dialogue on that. Okay. All right. So, you have your Bible? Yep. All right. I'm gonna try to do this in 10 minutes. Okay. <laughs> and this is gonna be really hard for me because I'm, I'm a, I, I'm pretty detail-oriented, so. <laughs> yeah, I know, we were supposed to do that really quick. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I always ask for a lot of uh, a lot of details and questions. Do what? Would you consider yourself very analytical? Me, analytical? I think so. I think so. I'm pretty logical, and, uh, and I, yeah, I think I would be analytical. Just curious. Can I get a little more water? All right. So, Mark chapter one. Oh, oh, awesome! That's so weird. 
In Texas, our cups operate funky. <laughs> really? There's kind of like in the bottom. Is it because community or just like... Okay. <laughs> Watch. Let me show you how to do this. Let me show you how to do this. You ready? <laughs> I hope that works. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't know that was gonna work. I was just hoping that I could do it right. Just to. All right. So mark what? Mark one fourteen through fifteen. Okay. So I'm gonna walk you through a traditional Christian gospel presentation. Okay. All right. Uh, I go to Genesis Church. Yeah, yeah, non-denominational, just traditional, historic, historic Christianity. So that's not. Yeah. All right. So. Yeah, one through fourteen. Um, I'm reading from the ESV, but you can read along on the KJV and uh, English Standard Version. So. You ready? Yep. It says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel and saying, The time was fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Pretty similar. Yep. Like it did. All right. Same thing. So, same thing. All right. So, do what? Mark 1. Mark 1, 14 through 15. Okay. So... Uh, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So, three key things. The gospel. What does that mean? It's good news. Mm-hmm. Right? So, repent means to change one's life based on a complete change of attitude and thought concerning sin and righteousness. Um, and then to believe means to think to be true, to trust, or to have faith. So, why do we need good news? Um... <clears throat> Because saying that there's good news, that would indicate that there's probably something that's not, just like y'all had mentioned before, good, what is, you know. You have to have the bad. So, um, so what is, what is the good news? And so Genesis 1, um, historic, um, historic Christianity, um, sorry, I have my notes, so I can read better, um, God creates. So Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. So, um, can you grab uh, Psalm 90, verse 2? Psalm 90, verse 2. Can do that. Yeah, read that for us. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Yeah, so we believe that God is eternal. Always was, always has been. There was never a point in which God wasn't God. Uh, So as far back as eternity can possibly go, to as far forward as eternity can possibly go, God has always been God. Um, So he wasn't once a man that became God. He has always been God. And um, God has always existed in and of himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So one God revealed in three equal uh, but differential persons. So not, not three individuals. So if I was to look at you and say, what are you? You're human. I'm a human being. If we looked at God and we said, what are you? He would say, I'm a triune being. 
But if I looked at you and said, who are you? Oh, I'm the older Steven, so I'm older Gesser. Gessel. Um, we looked at God and he said, I am, I am Father, Son, Spirit. And so that that is who he is. Um, so one what, three who's. One God revealed in three equal and distinct persons who, three equal persons that are eternally distinct. Um, so they're not separate. They always existed in and of themselves. And we can get into how that breaks down. We get that throughout all of scripture. Um, but I'm sure you've heard that a hundred times. So, because um, that's not a foreign concept. Okay. So God always is in and of himself, perfect communion with himself. And so he existed in perfect love, communion, fellowship with himself. So he needed nothing. So when God creates, he creates because he wanted to make his glory known. He created out of his glory, not because he needed glory, not because he needed anything. So then God creates, God gifts life, Genesis 2, 7. That's where God creates everything and he gifts man life. And the beautiful thing in the garden is that um, God gifted life to lots of things, animals, birds, and dogs. But here's the thing, when you look at a human, like that's a gift in and of itself that life, that my dog that's going to live and die and never see eternity, that, that's a gift to that creature in and of itself. But then God goes even further and he puts his thumbprint on man. So man is the only being created in the image and likeness of God. And we do not believe that God has a body. We believe that God is spirit. Um, or Jesus had said that um, uh, when, when they thought that um, Jesus was a ghost they said look um a spirit does not have flesh and bones like you see me have um but i have flesh and bones touch and feel um short version uh so, and christ has a body not before the incarnation so before the incarnation he did not but now yes christ does have a body uh after the incarnation um so but elsewhere in the scripture it says that God is spirit. So we believe God um, is spirit, not man. So when he creates man as his image, it's not his physical bodily form. It is that we display his attributes. We display his character. We, we are God's reflection in earth, essentially. And so that was his image. And so now what happens in the garden is um, that God gifted his image. So that leads us to the bad news. So, um, so God gives rules, just like y'all talked about. Don't eat of any other tree. And that's from Genesis uh, 2, 15 through 17. Don't eat of any other tree. Um, and if you do eat of it, you will surely die. So what happens? Man defies God. So man defiles the image of God, and he partakes of the fruit, Genesis 3, 6. And um, a lot of people say apple. I like to say it was a banana because, because it's, it's a fruit. Or jackfruit. That would be interesting for me. Maybe it was a pomegranate. A pomegranate? Maybe. Who knows? It probably wasn't a coconut because they would have had to really, really work hard. That's true. And I don't know how that would have worked. Like, don't even have a fruit. How do you eat a coconut? Yeah. <laughs> he must have really wanted to. I know. Uh, that, that would take so. <laughs> that wouldn't be a moment of deception. That would be like prolonged yeah. thought. So. 
you can. That's probably why they. Quick, like, oh, this looks good. Yeah. yeah. You gotta make a conscious effort. Okay, so we ruled out it wasn't a coconut. <laughs> All right, yeah, probably not a coconut. Okay. We should, we should uh, find out what it was for sure. <laughs> there we go. That's one of those questions we'll ask God. Yeah. Exactly. Please, what kind of fruit was it? <laughs> and then the second one would be, of course, did Adam need have a belly button? Exactly. A umbilical cord? That's a very, very good question. Maybe they just had thumbprints on their belly button. <laughs> that's my that's my thought. Yeah. Um, that's the Bible over here. My thought over yeah, okay. here. Was <laughs> um, that what the ESV says? Yeah, ESV. yeah. The ESV says that. No. It didn't have belly button. It was a thumbprint. Exactly. Um, so God gives rules. Man defies God. So God punishes man. So God said, "Look, in the, uh, the moment you eat of it, you will surely die." But here's the thing, Adam and Eve didn't die in the garden, like they didn't drop dead. Just like Ananias and Sapphira, when they lied to the Holy Spirit, they dropped dead immediately. This didn't happen to Adam and Eve. This is God's grace. So what happens in the, in the garden is that they defied God and they died spiritually. They are separated from God spiritually. Um, and their bodies began to die. So. And then what happens? God pulls them out of the garden, curses the earth, and now that's why we have sin and suffering in the world because of the fall. So that really sucks. But that's the bad news. But what's in remarkable, God justly and, and rightly and correctly could have taken Adam and Eve and just dropped them in, the, in hell and burned them for all of eternity. And he would have been good and just and right and correct to do this. Would y'all agree? Because they defied him and he told them the punishment and he could punish them. So that's what we deserve. But what does God do in, re in response? He says, when he's talking to the serpent, he says, Enmity I'll put between you and the woman, between her offspring and your offspring. You will bruise his, uh, he will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. Between who? Uh, when God is talking, so he addresses Adam, then he addresses Eve, and then he addresses the serpent, Satan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Between, um, between them? Between the serpent and Adam and Eve? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he okay. says... Um, I, I first thought you said between, between Adam and Eve. Was, <laughs> oh, yeah. I I was, no, yeah. Not between them. Okay. It's a little bit of difference. Okay, yeah, yeah. So this is from, um, this is from Genesis 3.15. Um, it says, enmity I'll put between you and the woman, when he's talking to the serpent, yep. between your offspring and her offspring, he will bruise your head and he will bruise his heel. Um, and what that's called is the Proto-Evangelion. Have you ever heard that term? That's a big word. Yeah, I believe it's Latin and it means the first proclamation of the gospel. Um, so God is the first person that preached the gospel. He said, you defied me but I am sending someone. That is um, a prophecy of Jesus coming and crushing the serpent's head. Um, but it, it's going to cost Christ. And that's where he will bruise his heel. So God promised salvation when he should have justly punished. So that's God's display of mercy. And so God should have punished, but he promised redemption. So now... Um, now we fast forward to Christ. What happens is Jesus, who is fully God, he is God. Um, he's no less God than God the Father. 
he comes into human history is born through the virgin. So he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and then he was born. So he did not have an earthly father. Um, and so he lives a perfect life because he is fully God. He does not, he was not born with the nature of sin like you and I are born. Because you're a wicked man, you're a wicked man, I'm a wicked man. We're all born. Yeah. Aw. <laughs> so we're all born apart, separated from God and with a desire and a love for our sin. Christ was born through the woman, but of God. So he's fully man, fully God, 100% both. And he lives a perfect life. And then fast forward to the cross. So Jesus fulfilled the law. He didn't abolish the law. He didn't come to destroy the law. He came and fulfilled the law. And so on the cross, what happens is Jesus satisfies the wrath of God for all of sin. So God hates sin. He cannot be in its presence. He, 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 he loathes it. It is the bane of his existence. And the Bible says that the God opposes the proud. Can, can you imagine God opposing you? Like, I mean, you think about like, yeah, so-and-so doesn't like me, but the God of the universe absolutely opposed to you? <sighs> yeah. That's terrifying. No one necessarily wants to. Well, you know, it's just like you can't, you can't handle. Well, yeah. can't handle. It's just like sin, it's not even, Yeah, so, loves it, so he's, he's opposed to it because he is perfect and holy and right and just. And he is completely opposed to it. But, so what happens on the cross is Jesus, it wasn't that, that Jesus just um, died and rose again. Like, yes, he did bleed for us. But the significant thing on the cross was that Jesus took the cup of God's wrath against sin and draped down every single drop. And when he flipped the cup over, not a drop came out. And he satisfied the wrath of God for every person that would put their faith in Christ. That's who he satisfied it for. So now, God... He would be a wicked judge if he just, like the more, or like not more, the Muslims believe, where it's just an arbitrary forgiveness, and where Jesus, like, or where God's like, oh yeah, you did enough good things, we'll 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 put your uh, your wickedness under the rug. And, you know, that's not a good judge. Just like if somebody raped your sister, and the judge is like, look, I know he did this really bad thing, and you're not the first person he's raped. He's raped like five other people. But there's like 10 orphans overseas that he fed this one time. And then he also built, he also built a home, or he built a hospital um, for all these sick people over in Uganda. Like, he's done a lot of good stuff. I know that he's raped like 10 people, but look at all this good stuff he's done. We're, we're just gonna let him off the hook. Plus he's my friend, you know, and you just sweep yeah. it on the roof. No, no, you would call for that judge to be pulled down and tried because he's, he's a wicked judge. And so God has to punish sin or he is a wicked judge because he made a decree at the beginning and he will follow through in his word. God is not a liar. And so what happens is Jesus satisfies the full wrath of God's hatred for sin. And then now 
what happens as a follower of Christ, Christ gifts his righteousness. So it's as if I am covered by my sin, and what happens is Christ took that and placed it on himself. The Bible says that he, speaking of Jesus, he that knew no sin became sin so that we can become the righteousness of God. And so he took our sin and he placed on us his righteousness. So there's nothing good that I have done. Like Isaiah, our good deeds are like filthy rags. And those filthy rags that he's talking about there is referring... Um, no, no, anyways, uh, I digress. So our righteousness is as filthy rags. And Christ pulls our sin places his righteousness now do what yeah yeah though our sins were yeah that's right and so now um so here's the thing can you read romans 8 8 romans 8 8 and if you can read hebrews 11 11 okay Oh, real quick, before that. So let's go back to what you have to do to be saved. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So what do I have to do to be saved? That's all that I have to do? Repent and believe? It's a piece of cake. <laughs> right? Piece of cake. Right? It would have seemed so. Oh, just repent and believe? Sure, piece of cake. But let's read uh, Hebrews 11, 6. Hebrews 11, 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. Okay. So you have to have faith, and he rewards those that diligently seek him. But read Romans 8, 6 through 8. Eight, six through eight? Yeah. Okay, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity between enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So here we are. The only way to please God is to have faith, but it says that if you're in the flesh, you cannot please God. So here we are at a catch twenty-two. We cannot please God because we have to have faith, but we can't have faith because we're in the flesh and we're at enmity between God and we cannot please God. But the only way to please God is with faith. So how do you repent and believe the gospel? It is a catch-22. So we know from Ezekiel 20, 18, 23, God says, Have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord, and rather not that he turn and live? God's desire is not for destruction. He doesn't take delight. Yeah. It's not like God's playing duck, duck, damn. He's just all like, ha, ha, hell, hell. Yeah. Damn you, damn you. Yeah. Go to hell. Woohoo! Yeah. I'm God. No, that's not who God is. No, he, he doesn't delight in that. When God punishes sin, 
he does it, he will send people to hell one day. But he doesn't do it out of the joy of his heart. Yeah. He does it out of justice and out of glory. And I'm sure he does it out of love and because he wants people to repent and like he wants people to live righteously and the way they will is their consequences. So we cannot repent and we cannot believe because we cannot please God. The God Bible says there are no God pleasers. Sad. <laughs> right? Yeah, so there we go. But here's the thing. Through faith we can please God and do good. So therefore, if anyone cleanses himself of what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, ready and apart as whole, or set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. But the problem is, and you were dead, this is Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, and you were dead in the trespasses of your sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But here's the beautiful part. So we can't please God. We're by nature children of wrath. And then this is Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. This is where it gets beautiful. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and in kindness, uh, of his grace and kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. <clears throat> For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for all good works, uh, which God has prepared before him, that we should walk in. So even the faith to believe is a gift that God gives us. Happy. Happy. It's a beautiful uh, emoji, right? Yeah. So the question is, what did God save us to? And I think that that's where we're hitting a little bit differently. First, with who God is. Uh, we believe differently about who God is, who Jesus is, and who the Spirit is. But, so that's one difference. And then secondly, the other difference is what did God save us to? And when Christ mean, came... What do you mean saved us to? Like, saved us for? Or saved us from? Like, what? Why did he save us? We would both say that he saved us from sin and death. Mm -hmm. um, but what did he save us to? So I'll explain that. So what is the final result of our salvation? Oh, okay. So yeah. what, what did he save us to? So we know what he saved us from, and we would agree what he saved us from. So what did he save us to? Yes. And so there's an old Christian maxim that says the chief end of man is to um, 
The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Um, and then someone even changed that to the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. And so God saved us for His glory and for our joy. So the Bible is, um, so when Jesus saved us, what that did was he satisfied the wrath of God against my sin and everyone that puts their faith in Jesus Christ. And what happens is because our faith is in Christ, in Christ alone, God no longer looks at me as a sinner, but as a saint. And I stand perfectly clean and righteous before a holy and just God. And so what God does, when I die and put this body to rest, um, the Bible says to be present with the, or to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'll be in God's presence, and then one day, um, so I'll be in the spirit um, when I die, and then one day Christ will come back and set all things to right. He'll resurrect my body and give me a glorified body, and then for all of eternity, forever and ever and ever, as far in the future as you can possibly think, and then even further still. I will get to be in the presence of God Most High and fall deeper and deeper in love with Him. So there won't be a time where I become like Him because the Bible says that He is the first. I am the first and I am the last. This is in Isaiah 43, yep. 44, 45, and 48. Mm -hmm. um, says, I am the first I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Before me, there was no God for me. Neither shall there be after me. And the Bible says that. Um, but is there a God beside? Is there a rock besides me? Um, there is no other. I know not any. And so, He is the first, last. There will never be a point where we will be like Him, but we will be with Him and enjoy Him forever. If God is who He says He is, if He's complete completely infinite, completely immeasurable, infinitely worth, full of worth and awesomeness, if God gave us anything other than himself, it's going to pale in comparison. And so God has saved us to himself a right relationship with him to enjoy him and enjoy his creation forever. And so this is where it all comes so close. So Jesus said, Jesus answered them, I told you, but you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me. Uh, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So Jesus said that his sheep hear his voice. So how do you repent and believe the gospel? By hearing his voice. And the Bible says that his sheep will, his, will hear his voice and they will come to him and they will repent and believe the gospel. So my, my charge to you guys would be to repent and believe the gospel. Because what it sounds like is that through Mormons, uh, or not Mormons, through um, the Mormon doctrine, 
you can receive exaltation and become like God. Like, just like all the prophets have said, as man is, God once was, as God is, man may become. And so you believe that you will achieve Godhood and be like God. Now, granted, you'll still worship Him, but you will eventually have your own creation and rule over it, and people will worship you. But here's the problem. You are not worthy of worship. You're not worthy of worship. I'm not worthy of worship. There is one singular being worthy of all worship, and that is the creator of all things. And that is God himself, Father, Son, and Spirit. And if God... We, we are not deserving of worship. Only God is. And that is who he has saved us to. And that's, that is what he wants to... That is the gift that he has given us. And so the Bible says that he is the first and the last. Besides me, there is no God. No God was formed, neither will there be after me. The Bible says you will not become a God. It, it says it very plainly. Before me, there was no God formed, neither after me. And he says that he knows not any other God. And I was reading the book of Abraham, chapter 4. And it says that God, the gods, um, created everything. The gods said, let there be light. The gods, plural. Yeah. That's and because we believe that God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost are separate beings. So did Jesus so. have a body before creation? Okay. So the gods said, let us create man in our image. Mm -hmm. Whose image? God's image. But Jesus didn't have a body. Right. So it's referring to other multiple gods that did God, have bodies. The Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost. But how can they create if the Holy Ghost... God has a, a body. Yeah, God does. Yes. So how can the Holy Ghost, Jesus, and God create man in our physical image because, if Jesus and the Holy Spirit right. do not have a body? We still believe that that their spirits still looks the same as God's body. Mm -hmm. Like it's we that our spirits even before this life still looked like this, just weren't actually physically mm -hmm. there. So okay. Guess how do you answer that question? Like you believe Adam and Eve created in God's image? Yeah. Do you believe that God had a body? No. So then how? So, um, are we, perfect example, a monkey. We are pretty, like, I don't, I don't subscribe to evolution. I'm a young, I'm a young earth creationist. I believe that just like you guys, the earth is r roughly six, 7,000 years old and it came into existence at a certain time. Um, but if you look at a monkey, evolutionists would say, that we evolved from that, right? But if you put a monkey and a human side by side, physically, other than the hairy and uh, we obviously look a little bit nicer than a monkey, but very, very similar. You could say that they're the same image, essentially. You look at our skull, our, our skeletons, everything. Very, 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 very similar. We all have fingers. We have toes, except for they have a cool thumb thing on their toes that I wish that I had. <laughs> then I could do really we got, neat we got things. Them on our belly buttons, so. we, oh yeah, we yeah. have that. Yeah. yeah. So, but similar images. 
But there's a huge difference between a monkey and a man. And we all know that innate difference. Just like if there was a monkey drowning in the water and a baby drowning in the water, or even a disabled person uh, or a mentally handicapped person drowning in the water and a perfectly healthy uh, ape, dr yeah, monkey drowning in the water, we're saving the, the human because there's something special about them. And that's the image of God that we reflect his, like we're able to relate. We're aware of our existence. Animals are not aware of things outside themselves. Like we have, we love, we communicate, we, and so in those ways, we reflect God's image. And so we can have love and fellowship because we're created in the image of God. And so that's, that's what um, the image of God is when he placed that thumbprint on our belly button spot. <laughs> right. So, um, so that's how I would answer that. So. so yeah, I guess it, it's the same sort of thing that we, that we were created in, in Abraham when it talks about that we were created in his image. And that we just believe that looks like a human. Yeah. And so that's really the only difference. And, you know, we, we do believe that um, there will be, the way that at least I personally see the scripture in Isaiah is that for, you did get some water out there. Oh, goodness. Yeah. So it doesn't die. Yeah. Um, so there really will never be any other God ever formed or created before or after for us. We will never worship any other God ever. And you believe that the God has lived forever or existed from eternity to eternity? Hmm? Do you believe that God's existed forever? That God? Mm -hmm. Yes, always, forever. Do you, what do you believe that man, or like that we or spirits have existed forever? No. What do you think he existed complete in and of himself in perfect unity with himself um, so God wasn't lonely he wasn't but there again the Bible doesn't go into a bunch of detail on what happened in the pre-existence uh, or before man came into into being and it does talk in a, a couple instances about life before this life, though. Um, in um, is it Peter, in a, when um, Jesus Christ, he comes. They come upon. Let me just read it because there you I'm go. Botch it really bad. <laughs> We're good at that. Yeah. All right. So. Be 
First in Peter. So this is actually John. Oh, John. John chapter 9, verse 2 and 3. And um, so Jesus Christ is with his disciples, and they come upon a blind man. And it says, And Jesus passed by and saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So first of all, ask him why was he born blind, right? And who did sin? So they ask him, did he sin that he was born blind? Or did his parents sin that he was born blind? How could he have possibly ever even sinned to cause himself to be born blind if he never existed before he was born. Mm-hmm. The only way that he could have possibly done anything, the only way that he could have possibly sinned so that he would be born blind is if there was life before he was born. Um, so that's just one example. In Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes 12, 7, okay, of course we know. You ever been to Hawaii? Can you go back there? No. No, you've never been there before, right? Right. I mean, it's as awesome as Hawaii would be. <laughs> I wish I could go back oh, yeah. to Hawaii. But you can't go there because you've never been there before. Well, in Ecclesi- yeah, in Ecclesiastes 12 7, like I said earlier, it says, and then the dust shall return to 12 7? Yeah. It says, and then the dust shall return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return to the God who gave it life. The only way that we can return is if we were there once before. It's the only possible way. Um, 
seen Jeremiah 1 5. The Jeremiah 1 5? Yep, yep. Yeah. So now Jeremiah, God being poor, ordained. Yeah. It talks about, it says, Before I formed thee in the belly, so before he was even formed in the belly, I knew thee, and I sanctified thee a prophet, and ordained thee unto the nations, or something like that. So, the only way that we can really know somebody, the only way that we can ordain them and sanctify them as a prophet in the nations is if we just looked up for And so, um, yeah, that's, I mean, I guess that's that's why we have this belief that we existed before this life. And of course, along with the, the Book of Mormon, modern day revelation, all these things. Just like any little father, he wants the best for the kids. My dad always made me do like stuff when I was growing up, like give me Super Bowl, like scouts, like soccer, just all these things. And I was like, why? <laughs> it's because like he missed out when he was young. He like was, he wished he had the opportunities. He wanted me to have like the best opportunities, best things I had. He wanted me to have a better life, a little better life than he did. You know, he was like, son, I love you. Do these things because I regret not doing them. Like. Wants to be better. My wants to be So is God infinitely have infinite worth? Yeah. So is God the greatest thing in all of existence? So if God wanted the very, very best for his children, why would he give them anything other than himself completely? Yeah, that's what we've done. But how can we... He does give us himself completely and allows us to become like him. He gives us the very best. He gives us the gospel and way for us to live so we can. So, I one Oh yeah, question. so you can ask like, how then do we receive like eternal progression? Eternal progression? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we're gonna say something. No. Okay. Yeah, so like, we like, cause the highest point of the celestial kingdom we can receive eternal progression. Um, whereas the other places we're banned, since we can't continue. You're trying to progress it. How can we ever be better than God? It's not even becoming better. Like he's perfect. So believe we become like him, and the progression comes from posterity. You know, God progresses by us being exalted. You know, his being exalted. So we're eternal. No, this is super deep. Yeah. No,
I've, I've, uh, yeah, I've read, I've read uh, Book of Mormon, Gospel Principles, Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price, uh, the Bible, obviously. You're uh, Book of Mormon. Yeah, and the whole Doctrine and Covenants. I'm better than Danny. <laughs> I was like. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've read all of it. We've been to church several times. Um, I work with uh, the owner of our company is a bishop. Oh. Uh, Alex Parker. Yeah, he's. Uh, he, I don't know the exact word. He's up at a. Uh, um, the one on Robbins Road at Rayford, Rayford Sawdust and Robbins. Yeah, Richards Road. Yeah, he's at. Okay, but I don't know what ward he's over. No, no, no. He's um, he lives up near two forty two and forty five. Okay. Do you know Ben Cheney? Okay. I spent a lot of time in the Hotel Oaks neighborhood. Okay. I'll give you two more names. Chris Larmouth. Chris who? Chris Larmouth. Craig Young. Craig who? Young. Oh, that's Because I think he would be in that ward. Craig Young. I just, I was always east of the number 45 and north of Rayford. Ian Van Meteren. Those are all the people I know there. I've exhausted my knowledge of people up there. <laughs> so. Okay. I have a question. So, do you believe that, um, that Jesus Christ exists in heaven right now with the body? Yes. So he does live in heaven with the body. Mm -hmm. So then God does have a body now. God the Son does. So then, wouldn't that mean that God and Jesus Christ would be separate, though? Hmm? Wouldn't that mean that God and Jesus Christ would be separate? I cannot explain the ontological form of ontological. I, I think I just, I don't even know if I used that term correctly. I don't know. So the Trinity is not something that we can fully comprehend. Um, well, I think y'all would agree that God the Father is not, Heavenly Father is not somebody we can fully comprehend. Yep. We can we can apprehend some things, so we can kind of allude. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm, like understand him though and who he is. Right, but we're, we're finite beings and he's infinite. Yeah. We cannot, our, just like the thought of continuing forever, how many times have you gone into almost a panic attack? Yeah. Like, it was like a week straight when I was like 12 that I was like... Oh, I know. Like, I was terrified. Dude, I talked to my mom one time. I said, Mom, I don't understand this. I'm, she's like, well, it's, it's, it's kind of like if, uh, if I told you that you could go to your friend's house and you never had to come back. Thanks, Mom. That didn't help at all. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, not at all. No, so, I'm like trying to understand. So, so we would agree that even the thought of, but th there are some things that are outside of our, and it's not a cop out to say that. So the Trinity, when we read the Bible, um, um, the Shema in, um, I believe it's Deuteronomy three four, 
could be off on that reference, but it's the Shema. It says, Hear, o Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one Lord. And all through the Bible, um, God is the only God, one singular God. It's proclaimed. It's clear in Scripture that there is one God. Um, and I think that y'all would agree with that spot, although y'all would define it as one God for us. But you'd agree that the Bible unambiguously declares one God. So there's one God. But here's the problem. There's only one God, but there are three persons referred to as that one singular God, and they're always acting at the same time. So it's not that we believe that God who becomes Jesus, who becomes Holy Spirit, then back to Jesus. It's not like there's one God with three different hats. He's got his construction hat, you know, his daddy hat, and his savior hat. You know, it's not that he's got all these different hats, he's just... And, uh, and then when he becomes Jesus, he takes off his body. and then So it's not like that. Okay. So one so God. I, that's what I thought a lot of Christians. No, that's called modalism. And modalism. Yeah, because God huh. exists in different modes. Oh, okay. And so that's a fancy term called modalism. Isn't that kind of like, uh, like Unitarianism or something like that? What's that? Uh, I think that's similar. Uh, oneness Pentecostals. Yeah, they're modalists. Okay. Uh, that's the... So Trinitarian, uh, oneness, so there's different terms, and that's what that modalism means. So the Trinity. Jesus is referred to, or God the Father, no one questions that. Yes, God the Father is God. There's no debate on that. It's all through the Old Testament. Um, I've got my notes. How about that? Um, so... So, right here, uh, John eight fifty seven through fifty eight. Um, uh, that's where Jesus is referred to as God. Um, but then also, um, you know, God throughout the Bible is like, don't worship any other gods. Don't worship any other gods. Have no other gods besides me. Thomas, Jesus, is like, look, put your Put your fingers where they were pierced. And Thomas's response, my Lord and my God. And he fell down and worshipped him. And Jesus, as a prophet of God, as one sent from God, did not tell him, do not worship me. What happened whenever they fell down to worship uh, uh, Gabriel, the archangel? Yeah. No, 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 don't worship me. He said, I'm a created being like you, don't worship me. But Jesus' response is, you've said well. Yeah. You know, so Jesus is God and the Holy Spirit, Acts 5, uh, that's where Ananias and Sapphira, the Holy Spirit, referred to as God. So we have one singular God, but three different persons referred to as God. And then the baptism of Jesus, the Father, the, the Son, and the Dove, the Holy Spirit, the voice from heaven, the, the Dove is the Spirit, Him and God. And so they're always acting. Yeah. They're all fully that one God. And so that's how we would come. It's something that we can apprehend, but we can't fully comprehend how that plays out. Like, I honestly feel like it's, our belief is pretty similar because we believe that, like, we worship God through Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is in the express image of God. Like, they're in the exact likeness. Every single thing that God would do, Jesus Christ would do too because... We believe that they're both perfected beings now. And that they're one in unity, like perfectly one in mind, 
everything God would do, Jesus Christ would do vice versa. So when um, Thomas worships Jesus Christ, essentially, and he says, my Lord, my God, essentially, he's worshiping God through Jesus Christ. At least that's the way that I see it. He's worshiping Christ, and it's okay because God and Jesus Christ are one <laughs> in purpose. They're the exact same in every way. But see, where the difference is, is we don't, it's not that Jesus is a perfected being and that God is a yeah. perfected being. Right, and I know that's that he is, he is essentially perfect. So God did not achieve Godhood. He is God from all of eternity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that Joseph Smith would define eternity as... Because um, what the way in Doctrine and Covenants, it says that when they enter eternity, then they will have been from all eternity to all eternity. Because eternity goes both ways. So it's not that they were actually always eternal. It's that at one point when they became eternal and received exaltation, then it shoots. Essentially, it's hard to explain that concept, but that's the way that. But what we, what what the Bible teaches is that God has always been here. There wasn't a point where He came up and then it shot out. And so that there, we're saying right and. It, Similar things, but right. but what we're meaning but behind those words are different. And so it, the Bible also never really teaches that that never happened. And like I'm not saying like that that makes it true. But yeah. Ne- but I guess that, that really comes down to the fact that if Joseph Smith is a true prophet, mm-hmm. if he really is called God, if the Book of Mormon is true, and Joseph Smith is a true prophet, and I've come to know without a doubt in my mind, I know the Book of Mormon is true. I know. It is from God. I've felt it from His Spirit. I've, I've heard, like I've, I know. There's, I've had so much spiritual evidence. I would call it spiritual evidence in my life that it's true. But along with that, there is so much physical evidence as well. I think the spiritual evidence is the most important. But just like. The life that Joseph Smith lived, everything that he did, the fact that the Book of Mormon came into play, but like, no one's ever created a book even close to the Book of Mormon in 50 days, which is the amount of time that Joseph Smith translated the Book of Mormon. If he had written it in 50 days, that would be, yeah, that's, that would be insane. There's so much in the Book of Mormon that wasn't even known at the time of Joseph Smith, there's no way that he could have written it. Like, there's there's no way. And so therefore, if the Book of Mormon's true, then he had to have translated it by the power of God. He translated by the power of God, he was a prophet. Everything he said was true. You can't have one without the other. And that's why we say that the Book of Mormon is the keystone of our religion. Because without the Book of Mormon, yeah, we have no prophets, no apostles, all that's fake, and all we'd have is a Bible, and we'd just be another, probably, I don't know, just some sort of Christian church. <laughs> it wouldn't mm-hmm. even exist. So it really comes down to finding out if the Book of Mormon is true. And then all of these, because it's like it's like a tree, like, you hear all these branches, like we were talking about, the, the root is Jesus Christ and his gospel that he died for us. Everything else is just appendages. And they're mm-hmm. all up in the, the branches and the leaves, and like, well, is this true, is this true? 
come down to the root, find out if Joseph Smith is really true, he's a prophet, and all of that just makes sense. Because all that has to be true. Mm-hmm. He's a prophet. And so our invitation is really to just find out if the book is true. To really search it out and study it out and you can look up all the anti-stuff that you want to heard. Yeah, we're doing good. I've heard, yeah, all the branches. I've heard so much anti-mormon and look, I'll tell you the truth. So much what? Anti, like just anti-mormon stuff. And when I first got out of my mission, I lived in Idaho Falls and it's like a bubble there. I didn't hear any of this crap. And I got out here and I was like, what the heck? I was like, that's, what? And like, I was just like, holy crap, like, I actually believe this and I questioned a lot and then I studied it and I didn't just believe what people told me because that's, that's an awful idea it's just to mm-hmm. let one I did that for study, years yeah let one person so I've looked at both sides of it and the thing about anti is that it always it will always tell half a truth and never the rest and the rest is a lie okay part of things you can take things that Joseph Smith has done or paths of the church and just look at half of it and it looks really bad. <laughs> but once you find out the whole story, the whole purpose behind everything, it's like, oh, okay, well, duh, like that makes perfect sense. And it's like, it's not even a big deal. And so I spent like months worried and just like, what is this? And, and then I, I finally just found all the answers and I was like, I just wasted so much time worrying about something and it just strengthened my testimony even more. That like, because everything started to make even more and more sense. And I just can't dispute it. I've, I know the book of If It's the word of God. And really, So how do you test if Joseph's a prophet? That's a, yeah, the book of Mormon find out if the book of Mormon, you read it, you pray about it, you ask God if it is true. Have you read Deuteronomy 13? The not adding to the Bible? Or no, not that one? No. Because I know it's in Deuteronomy and Revelation. Yeah. Yeah, not there. Um, so I'm... I know... I, I am one that believes that uh, that Revelation has ceased with the early church. Okay. Okay. But I'm not going to throw out... Deuteronomy and Revelation at you because I would agree with the premise that if God wants to reveal something, He can. It's like I'm not going to put God in a box, yeah. but I do believe that the Bible teaches that He has. But I'm not going to sit and argue that point with you. Yeah, um, I mean I'm sure you've heard our side of that as well. Yes, that was so, the last book that was written. Blah blah blah. It talks specifically about Revelation. Yeah, I would I would agree. I would agree that that is talking about. Um, Those books specifically. Yes. Where is it? Deuteronomy 13. I mean, honestly, the way that you find out is exactly like Jesus Christ taught. In Matthew 7, verse 15 to 20, he talks about how a prophet is like a fruit or, a, or like a tree that brings forth good fruit. He's a prophet. A, a prophet cannot bring forth evil fruit and evil fruit. A good tree can't bring forth evil fruit and an evil tree can't bring forth good tree can't bring forth bad fruit. So, Joseph Smith was a prophet. Everything he brought forth would be good. And what? Can't find that one verse. Alright, so. What do you do with this? Okay. So, can God lie? No. He cannot lie. This is against his nature. Yeah. Okay. 
So we agree on that. So Joseph Smith taught that um, Christ's church left the earth, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It disappeared from the earth. The church with authority is original church. Yeah, and he taught that all of, um, he asked which church he should join. They said, don't join any of them for all of their creeds are an abomination. Right? Yes. Okay. So Joseph Smith taught that, and he taught that some of the main and precious parts of the scriptures are missing. Is that correct? Okay. So what do you do with Matthew 24, 35, which says that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So God of all creation has preserved his word for us. And Jesus said that heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will not pass away. And when he's talking to Peter, um, and I believe from talking with Danny, you believe that the rock that Jesus built his church on is Revelation, the book of Revelation? No. Revelation in general. Yes. Okay. Um, <clears throat> that was one thing I was curious about. But he says, Peter, on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Mm -hmm. So how... Because either, either Joseph is telling the truth or Jesus is telling the truth. They cannot both be true. They're both different statements because the gates of hell did prevail against the church. If, not, in the way, not in the way that most, like, I guess that you're putting it into context because we believe that those that are um, a part of Christ's church, the gates of hell, the gates, a gate holds something either in or out, right? So the gates of hell, it's talking about how it's going to hold, what does it hold? It holds spirits in it, right? Mm -hmm. The gates of hell will not be able to prevail, it will not be able to hold the saints, those in his church, from leaving. When Jesus Christ broke the bands of death and the chains of hell, he broke that gate and made it so that those that are part of his church will be able to be freed from hell. The gates will not be able to hold them in. The gates will not prevail against his church. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that hell is going to be able to, like, I don't know, like... Yeah, we, so we just the church is standing and being ran right. See, it can right. So, what do you do with? Because I mean, so I mean, let me just turn to. What were you gonna say? I was just gonna say, how would you answer the heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So, how can the things he said will never like right his law? Yeah, like whether it's written or not, right. the words of heaven, things he has declared will happen. Doesn't right. matter like, like how much crazy stuff happens. Doesn't matter how many seem crazy. Try to change things. Like his words are infinite. Yeah, we don't we don't know if he was specifically talking about his scriptures. We know that his scriptures are his words, but we don't know that he was actually talking about his scriptures will never pass right. away. I mean, there's there's tons of missing books within the Bible that it gives reference to that have passed away in that sort of sense. So if that's what But using that same argument, the Bible never calls those scriptures either. So it refers to other books. Paul the Apostle refers to um, refers to ancient Greek writings. And we know that 
Greek mythology isn't scripture. So, but the argument goes both ways. Right. So, but I can understand what you're saying. Okay. So, hold on, let me find this. Okay, so let's go Matthew 21, 43. Well, okay, so just starting out in Daniel 2, 44. I'm sure you're familiar about the dream where King Nebuchadnezzar sees the rock carved out of the mountain, right? rolls on the mountain, and then Daniel interprets a dream, and he says that it means that in the days of these, it's it, Daniel 2, 44, it says, and in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to another people. That's important. Shall not be left to another people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. So he's talking about a kingdom, God's kingdom not be left to another people and will never leave the earth. We believe that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is a restored church and that this is the last dispensation. That dispensation is when there's prophets on the earth. This is the last dispensation because throughout the Bible there were tons of dispensations like mm -hmm. Moses, Manon, Noah, Baba, all these people. Different dispensations. This is the last dispensation before the coming of Jesus Christ. Okay, anyways, I, yeah, I was so, going back to Daniel, though, it says that the kingdom shall never be left to another people. Matthew 21, 43, Jesus Christ, before that, he's talking about his vineyard, and he's comparing his kingdom to his vineyard. In verse 43, it says, Therefore, say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. So, no way was Daniel seeing the kingdom that was going to be established and never given to another people, the kingdom that Christ set up at the moment. Because he said, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to another nation, bringing forth the first thereof. There's no way that that could happen. If Daniel, if he's true, if God can never lie. So, we know from that, Jesus Christ, the kingdom that he established, not it. There's uh, another scripture in 2 Thessalonians, like I said before, that we believe that our church is the last dispensation in the church to prepare us for the second coming of our Savior, and that before, there's apostasy. After all the apostles died, there's an apostasy, which means there's no more revelation, no more prophets and apostles. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 3, I don't know why, but the Thessalonians, I can't remember, they thought that the second coming had already happened, or was coming, and so Paul is like, no, that's not. He says, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by the gathering together unto him, that ye be not so soon shaken in mind, or troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there be, or except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition to Paul. So, in order for Christ to come back, there has to be a falling away at some point. I believe that falling away happened, of course, with the apostles and the prophets after they left. There is a falling away, and it's not very common to believe that today. But tons of the founding fathers of Protestants' faiths decided that their church, like Roger Williams, the founder of the Baptist Church, he's, he told everybody, there's a, I can read you the quote, 
He says, no regular, regularly constituted church of Christ on earth, nor any person authorized to administer any of the church ordinances, nor can there be until new apostles are sent by the great head of the church for whose coming I am seeking. Mr. Roger Williams finally told his followers that being himself misled, he had misled them, and he was now mis and he was now satisfied that there was none upon the earth that could administer baptism or any of the ordinances of the gospel. So he advised them to forego all and wait for the coming of the apostles. So the, the founder of the Baptist faith, Roger Williams. Yeah, the founder of the Baptist faith, who told all of his followers to forego everything that he had taught them because he had misled them and to wait for more apostles. John Wesley, who's the founder of the Methodist faith, said something very similar. Told his followers, you have a quote, right? I think so. Told his followers to wait for the restoration. That's exactly what happened, is there's a restoration of his followers. John Wesley? John Wesley. He's the founder. Martin Luther talked about it. Yeah, Abel. Lincoln. Lincoln. The President Lincoln actually talked about the restoration as well. Yeah, it's on there too. Oh, Thomas Jefferson. I don't know. Lincoln said something as well. Lincoln said that he's jealous, or he said something about how he's jealous of his um, his descendants who will be able to see the restoration of Christ's original church or something like that. Something along those lines. So, all of these churches. And I mean, even within the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church is where all Protestant faiths come from, right? Pretty much, right? Yeah, Protestant. Protestant uh, denounces the Catholic Church. Right, but they all came, yeah, they protested. Yeah, I guess. Do you know what Catholic means? A Catholic? Yeah. Yeah. So when the... When Nicene Creed happened, they're all like, they were all going to be Christian, all Catholic. Yeah. Yeah, one whole, I believe in one holy Catholic Church from the, the Creed is not referring to the Roman Catholic Church today. Right. It's, right. So, so, yeah, so, yeah. The Roman Catholic, that's the oldest church. That's the, that's the oldest church that was formed after Christ, right? The Roman Catholics? No. you believe that? I believe that the Roman Catholics are a distortion of the church that was formed, that Christ formed. Yeah. Okay, right, so, right, right. But I mean, like, yeah. as far, yeah, exactly. But Roman Catholics believe that authority was necessary. Authority to do all these things like baptism and all that sort of thing. Like, that was necessary. And the reason that they were taught that is because the apostles taught it. And it, that's always been carried down through the ages. That authority is necessary in order to do things like baptism and I don't know, whatever or other ordinances that we have to do. And so... Um, that was carried down through the ages, but then people decided that like the Catholic faith anymore. They went and did their own thing, and that belief was kind of lost between other faiths, but because the Roman Catholics are the oldest church, they still believe that. Um, of course, they have a whole bunch of other weird doctrine now, like worship, idol worship, and that's not true. But, <laughs> but um, and I mean, even within, like, the, the Bible, it talks about apostolic secession. So, like, the apostles, after one would die, they would ordain another, They'd bring another one, so there would be 12 apostles. I think there's 16 total that are referred to within the Bible, the New Testament. And this is because 
they wanted that there was supposed to be 12 apostles they were supposed to continue the apostles were supposed to be called but eventually they were all hunted down and they were all killed they, they didn't have they weren't able to gather and call enough apostles to continue this so it wasn't by choice that they were like okay apostles aren't necessary anymore it was by force that that happened. The apostles were calling more people. Yeah, there's bishops that would be called and want to die or something happened. They go to that place, that city, that yeah. church, on another bishop. Catholics could mix up on Linus? Huh? Bishop Linus. So that's where the Catholic Church actually apostatized, where they lost their authority. Because the Catholic Church, they follow their line of authority. To Bishop Linus, and then Bishop Linus, his authority goes back to Peter. I think it goes back to Linus. Yeah. So that's the confusion is that there were two Linuses. There was Bishop Linus and Deacon Linus, and Bishop Linus had authority at first, but then totally apostatized, like they were doing not good things. So one of the apostles went and ordained Deacon Linus who had the authority, but then Bishop Linus got mad and pretty much sent him to be killed, Deacon Linus. So Deacon Linus got killed, so the authority was gone, and it was gone. There, he didn't give it to any, by that time, all the apostles were gone, Deacon Linus, or Bishop Linus, yeah. So they try and follow their authority back from that, but like, if you read Romans 1, Romans 1 is, Paul sending his epistle to the Roman Church, the Roman Catholic Church as we know them today, because of their apostasy. It talks about fornication, adultery, like homosexuality, and like how all of those things are an abomination. What they were doing, that was not okay, because they'd apostatize. You can't. You don't have authority when you're doing those sort of things. Like, it just doesn't happen. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so the authority is lost. It's not on the earth anymore. It's gone. And then, like, the truth was not really going to spread either. Like, dark ages, which was not much that might have been kind of a sad place. Like, even like particular things, like what's in the like, Galileo? I think they like, talk about the earth being round and like. Around the sun, they were like, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. There's no way I could ever do it. Like, the truth was not being spread very well. People were like, like, not really open minded. And so, yeah, God was wanting to read that. God was wanting to call the prophets stuff, but people weren't really ready. Um, there's so many things that were, that came about as a way to prepare the people. Like, the Bible was not accessible to most people. So it was translated. Like, someone was murdered. A lot of people were murdered. Just for, like, translating the Bible. Yeah. John, Wycliffe. Yeah. You're right, you're right. Yeah. And so, don't you think those minds and hearts become more open, wanting wanting God, wanting these things? Earlier in Christianity, they see the people that were being like killed in the Colosseum for being Christian. Why do they do this? There must be something about this. Some people are more Eventually, like, Columbus is inspired to go find a new continent in which there can be religious freedom. Yeah. And after that, 20 years later, we believe that the church was restored. Like, not soon after religious freedom was available to people, it happened. That wouldn't, 
Just, just a quick side note. We're the first church in history to even claim a restoration to be restored. No other church has been restored until after us. We're the first church to claim that moment. Second of all, Paul was teaching how if it's Christ's church, it's going to be in, in, in his name. And for ever since the apostasy on down until Joseph Smith, there was no church that was even known as the Church of Jesus Christ until our church. Ours, ours was the first church that even had the title of the Church of Jesus Christ. Others years later, Church of Christ comes. Yeah. And then, yeah, of course, there were other churches afterwards. But this is the first church that even had that name. Paul taught himself, if it's Christ's church, it's going to have his name in the title of the church. And so... But in Ephesians 4, 11 through 14, it talks about for how long we're going to be given apostles and prophets. Why we're given them. <laughs> okay. So... Ephesians oh, 4. Yeah, Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. Or 11 through 14. It says, and he gave some apostles. So, talking about Christ church, or Paul's talking about Christ church, and when he built it, it says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, and to a perfect man unto the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. So, first of all, we're going to have apostles and prophets till we all come to the unity of faith until we all come to the knowledge of the Son of God. Has everybody in the world come to the knowledge of the Son of God? Absolutely not. No. With 33,000 different Christian denominations, we're not unified at all. No. Okay. It goes on in verse 14 and say, the reason, it says that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. There's so many different doctrines about Christ's gospel between the 33,000 different Christian nominations, Paul teaches himself that we're given these apostles and prophets so that we are not tossed around to and fro by every wind of doctrine, so that we can all know exactly what it is that the Bible is teaching us because there are men that can talk with God and say, what is this meant? And then he can speak with them. That's why it's so important. Now, I think 1 Corinthians 12 is... Like probably one of the best scriptures that talks about this, and it's you gotta read like the entire thing, so I'll just sum up part of it. Mm -hmm. Verse 12 to 17, it talks about how Christ compares the body of the church or the members of the church to like a body. And he says, You can't you can't look at the hand and say, Well, because I'm not or the hand isn't the foot, it's not of the body, I don't need the hand anymore. You can't say like ear because I'm not the eye I'm not of the body I don't need the, the eye anymore because it's not of the body and then he goes on and he says if you didn't have the eye where would be the seeing if you didn't have the ear where would be the hearing you have to have all of these things like all the different parts of the body and then in verse 18 it says but now God has set the members of every one of them in the body as it had pleased him 
And then it says, and if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are there many members, yet but one body? And he says that all of these things that people think aren't necessary are more necessary. Verse 28. Okay, so verse 18. God has set the members of every one of them in the bodies that he pleased him. But down to verse 28. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles and gifts of healing, helps governments, blah, blah, blah. And then verse 29. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? So he's saying, you can't look at part of the body and say, I have no need of you. <laughs> You're not important. Uh -huh. He set his church up in a way that pleased him. Every one of them are important. You can't look at the body, any part of it, and say, I don't need it. It's all necessary. It all has to be. You don't need to take it. Sorry. If you need to for anything, my third time just going to be You can keep the pink. Keep All right, the cool. Thank you. You're welcome. So, I think, I don't know. If you have any questions of any of those things, I think it's kind of like. All we ask is like, open minded, greet them with a sincere heart. Right. You know, have intentions of joining when it becomes true. Yeah. You know, we've, we've definitely established that authority was necessary, prophets and apostles were necessary. They were still going to continue that, and so at some point, a restoration was needed. There has to be a restoration at some point of Christ Church. If it's not our church, then we still have to wait, pretty much. If we have just God's way of preparing right. whoever is real proper. <laughs> right, and so if you want to know which church is a true church, or which church is the restored church, you're going to have to read the Book of Mormon and find out if it really is true, and that's why... I like this so much because, I mean, honestly, for some people, like, it's hard to believe that Joseph Smith can be a prophet. Like, it doesn't make sense at all. Like, that's what they were taught their whole lives. And honestly, I got to a point where I was like, that doesn't make sense either. And then I read this, and I was like, okay, it makes perfect I was like, there's no way the Book of Mormon could have been faked. There's no way. So because the Book of Mormon was not faked, it makes it easier to actually believe that he's a prophet, and then once you believe that he's a prophet, you'll be able to see and have it confirmed to you by the Spirit and all of these things, and it's just... It's true. Joseph Smith is a prophet. So... If you want to finish this, you're welcome to. That's all right. I, I won't have time. There's time. so much there. Yeah. And um, and I've heard a lot of the stuff that's in there. So. Have you heard about like the um, word print? Word print. Word print. So um, they took the writings from Joseph Smith and all the people that he was with. It's kind of like a fingerprint, like we were talking about. Fingerprint. And it's like you can compare the ratio of words, like to filler words that somebody uses when they write. And everybody has like their own kind of like word print with their writing. It's like a fingerprint but with their words. So they took, yeah, they took all. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they took all the writings from the Book of Mormon and found 28 different word, like 28 different word prints within the Book of Mormon. And they found that not a single one of them 
match Joseph Smith's word print or any of the people that he was with. None of their word prints matched. There's no way that Joseph Smith could have even made up 28 different word prints. There's no way that his ma none of his word prints matched any of them in the Book of Mormon. There's no way that he could have written that for one thing. Second of all, there's tons of like writing, the style of writing that's contained within the Book of Mormon. What is the word? What is the type of... It's like a type of poem. Oh. Yeah, there's like a type of writing that's contained within the Book of Mormon that they didn't discover until like 1930 or something like that, 1920. They didn't even know that that existed. Huh? Yeah, it's like a Jewish type of writing that is found all throughout the Bible that they found within the Book of Mormon as well. They didn't even know that it existed. Joseph Smith couldn't even know that it existed because it wasn't anything that was taught at the time. But it's contained from the Book of Mormon and the Bible, and there's no way that he could have even known that. There's tons of archaeological facts that's within the Book of Mormon that he couldn't have even known about. Like, there's Indian tribes, white Indian tribes that they found in South America that said that they have, like, they have, like, uh, stories about how there was a dark skin, the dark skinned uh, tribes would kill them for not denying their faith in Christ. The great white God. Yeah, they all, yeah, all Native American tribes believe in the great white God that came out of the skies, which is exactly what happened in the Book of Mormon. We believe that Jesus Christ came to the Americas. Exactly what they believe, but just over so much time they didn't have the truth and it just got twisted into weird things. <laughs> There's actually, they actually have Aztec pyramids that represent the sun, the moon, and the stars. The terrestrial, the celestial, and the celestial kingdom. So, if the Book of Mormon is true, it's one of the prophet, it's the word of God, our church is the, the true church, reestablish the earth. So, and here's the, here's the good thing. If you're right and we're wrong, we accept the same Jesus Christ that you do. We might not know exact bodily form, but we accept the same Jesus Christ that died on the cross, on the, the cross, the cross, who atoned for our sins and did all those things. So if that's what we have to do, we have to have faith and believe in him and serve him, we do all of those things. So there's really no, nothing to lose in being a part of our church. Yeah, we might believe in, in your view, a false prophet. You might believe that they're separate, but all it says is that we believe on the Son of God. That we believe in Jesus Christ. And we do exactly that. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Son of God. So, we just might not know. We just don't agree on the bodily form. So. Alright, so let me leave you with one thing. And then I've got to get to work. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> we got to get going too. Man, that's 1124. Yeah. Jeez. Holy <laughs> Oh my gosh. Time flies when you're having fun. Seriously. Alright. Yeah. Yeah, that's no problem. Yeah. Um, Alright, so I'm gonna leave you with this and I'm gonna go pee. And we can chat more on the way. Okay. So I'm gonna read Romans. You referred to it, Romans 1. So I'm gonna read Romans 1. It's gonna come across as really hard words. Alright? Yeah. So 
you guys know the light in which I've been talking to you guys, and there's no animosity here. Yeah. And there's no hatred for you guys. Yeah. I think I've read it before, so. Yeah. So, hear this, because I, I, I love you guys. Like, that's why I took time out of work just to sit up here and chat with you guys about yeah. theology and who I believe God is. Um, and then I'll touch on if you're right versus if I'm right. Real quick. All right, so. Romans 1, starting in verse 16. For I am not ashamed... Uh, so I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then also to the Greek. For it is the righteousness of God... Oh my goodness, all these birthdays. Um... For it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God has been revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so they are without excuse for although they knew God they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened claiming to be wise they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to the impurity, uh, to impurity, to dishonoring their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the create the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. The Bible says that men know who God is because He is clearly revealed. It. And there is not one that's without excuse. I do not believe in atheists. The Bible clearly says there are no such things as atheists. There are only those who suppress the truth in unrighteousness and those who profess the truth in righteousness. I have shown you guys a lot of truth today. I have gone through the gospel and proclaimed the gospel to you and given you a lot of life. But you're suppressing that in unrighteousness. It's not... Your, your goal is to become like God and to attain Godhood. You will not get there. And you say that we believe in the same Jesus. The Bible tells us that there will be others proclaiming a different Jesus. It tells us that in Ephesians, I believe. Um, it says that if I or even an angel of light was to come and proclaim to you a different gospel than you've already heard, then uh, let them be accursed. I say it again. If they proclaim a different gospel than I proclaim to you, let them be accursed. Yeah, Galatians, yes, thank you. Not, not Ephesians. Um, and so there is a such thing as a different gospel, and there is a such thing as a different Jesus. The Jesus that you guys are proclaiming is not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus you're proclaiming is not the creator of Lucifer. 
He's not the creator of everything that exists. He is a created being, and he's the brother of Lucifer, just like we're the brother of Lucifer, spirit God. This is a completely different Jesus. A completely different Jesus cannot save. It's a different gospel, and a different gospel cannot save than the one that God has already revealed to us. So God has revealed to us in his word. You guys know the truth of who God is, and you have to not suppress that truth. You, you must repent and believe the gospel because there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved, is what the Bible tells us. And a different Jesus, because we're using the same words, same terms a lot, and we, we even reference the same books, but we're not talking about the same thing. What we're talking about is completely who God is, and where we're headed, the final destination of man, are two separate things. So, only, so, you only people in your church are saved then? Not my church, the body of Christ. And we're not included in that? Like, no, because be you do not profess the, you do not profess the Christ of the Bible. So, what about different versions of, we were talking about earlier, like the, I can't remember the word you used, the mono... Modalist? Modalist. Modalist. That's a different version of Christ and like Trinitarian and Oneness. I'm are all different right. versions, perspectives of people's versions of Christ. Right. So they're I, not saved as well? I would not say, I mean, like you would say, I believe that there is division in the church. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that point. Yeah. And that's why Protestants were raised up against the Catholic Church because there was error. But even Paul talks about uh, when he's writing to, um, I believe it's the Ephesians, I I'm amazed that you have so quickly walked away from the faith that has already been revealed to you. And all through here, it talks about false prophets, false teachers, people corrupting the gospel. That's where we get, even in Galatians, get that warning. Look, don't believe a different gospel. Yeah. There has always been deceivers in the church right. because the Bible says that man's heart is wicked yeah. above like, all uh, things. And who, who always corrected it? Yeah, who always corrected those, those wrongs throughout the Bible? Christ did. Through who? Through the apostles, right? Yeah. He wrote epistles. So as soon as those prophets and apostles were gone, people went right back to doing the same thing, went back to following but, false traditions the and thing doing is, is wrong and Jesus not is, following the same thing. Jesus is the head of the church. Right. The Bible and, says that and the way he spoke to his people is through his apostles and prophets. Because in Amos no. 3 7 it says, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secrets unto his servants and prophets. Uh -huh. And then so in the New Testament in Hebrews, it says in former times he has spoken to us of prophets and and, uh, and visions, but in these right. last days he's spoken to us through his son right. Jesus Christ. Right. And so a, who is who is the technically at the time? No, he's the head of the church. Yeah. He's, he's the both. he is the great high priest. He holds the Melchizedek priesthood. He is the one that's building his church. And Jesus in Matthew 28, 19 says, um, all authority has, get, uh, has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's a charge that he gave. And now his disciples, and thus through extension us, or extensions of that, are uh, kings and priests to God most high. 
And so we go out proclaiming his gospel. Christ is the head of the church. He's our singular high priest. He's our singular mediator between us and the Father because he stood in our place. And now through Christ's authority, not my authority, not any other authority, but through Christ himself, the church continues. And so it's not that apostles are necessary. God used the apostles. He spoke through the apostles. The apostles, capital A apostles, established the church. But we still have elders and shepherds and, and uh, apostle roles in the church to help govern. And, but, um, but we go out in Christ's authority to go and continue to build his church that Christ has started. So that would be my charge to you guys is just to hear the words of the living and true God and to repent and believe the gospel as right. God has delivered it through and his word. So, technically, yeah, thank you. But I mean, technically, then that comes down to if the Book of Mormon is true. And like I said, it is true. So, but through the thing is, you can't reconcile Mormon doctrine with historic Christian doctrine. They're irreconcilable. They're, they're, they're zero percent. And I, I would even venture to say even a negative percent. They are irreconcilable because you have, God said that my glory I will not give to another. But Mormon doctrine teaches that we can re we can progress to exaltation and become like God, an all-powerful being. Right. They will become like, you know, that's what it says, Doctrine and Covenants 132, I believe. Yeah, and that's why I, I, I said that, like, we would need more revelation to tell us whether or not that that is, like, what we are saying is true. So that would mean that whether or not the apostles or prophets were true. Because, like I said before, it doesn't say that it's impossible for us to become like that. Bible just talks about how we're heirs of in Romans chapter 16. It talks yeah, about we become heirs, heirs with Christ um, and, yeah. and glorified with Him. And yeah, it says that we're heirs of God. So it's co heirs with Christ. Yeah, but it says heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. Yes. That we are glorified together. In Revelation, it talks about how Jesus Christ says that those who overcome and are endured to the end will sit down with me in my throne as I am sat down with my father in his throne. So if we're going to sit down in God's throne, how is that even possible if we can't become like a God? Or become like God? How do we sit down in, in God's throne? So, because we will never fill God's throne. No, in Revelations it says we will sit down in my, in my throne. It's Jesus Christ, he says, I, I Yeah, you have to show me that. Okay. You better get going, though. Yes. <laughs> so, you want to run to the bathroom and then I'll show you in the car? Perfect, yeah. Let me go. Okay. Revelations 3.21. Can I give you one, one quick tip? Yeah. You've been saying Revelations. It's Revelation. Revelation. <laughs> I know. That, that's, no, that's something that. Uh, okay. Revelation, three twenty one. <laughs> Gosh, I I've caught. Yeah, no. I thank you. I, I got you. I got your back, bro. Okay. It says <laughs> to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. Hmm. So Jesus Christ's throne is his father's throne. And we will be able to sit down in God's throne. The only way that that's possible is if we are like 
the father. Furthermore, in um, what in, what um, verse was that? Revelations three twenty one. In Revelations two twenty six through twenty seven, and it says, "To him that overcometh, and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations." And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my Father. So Jesus Christ received the world from his Father, and he re received the heavens and the earth. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ himself says to him that overcometh, will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. So... Unless Jesus Christ is talking about his own people that he's going to give us power to rule over, then there must be other nations that we will rule over with the rod of iron, because I don't think we're going to take Jesus Christ heaven and earth. <laughs> and no other Mormon does believe that. But that's within the Bible itself that it says he's going to give us power over the nations, and he shall rule them with the rod of iron. And it says that we're going to sit down with God in his throne. In Romans 8, it says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If it so be that we suffer with Him, we shall also be glorified together with Him. So if we're glorified with Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is glorified and is like a God, then or that he, if He is God, then even that says that we will be glorified as God. So, um, so that all lines up with what the Bible teaches as well. Um, so would you, would you agree that there are some main and plain things in Scripture and then there are some things that are a little bit heavier and weightier? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yes. a little bit I, harder to, to understand? Yeah, which yeah. is why we see need for apostles and prophets yeah. to be able to understand them what God meant by them. So the way I would respond to that mm -hmm. is that the Bible very plainly throughout is unambiguous that there's one God and that there will not become another God. For, yes, and for and, us we believe that, like we said, that for us there never was another God, there never will be another God, and that's it. And even if you go back to like the Greek uh, version of the Bible, it doesn't say the Lord God, and I'm sure you know it says Jehovah God. So it talks about the difference between a Jehovah God and Elohim God. They're two different. There's the Father God, and there's Jehovah God. So it, it when it says that I, Jehovah God, like there is no other Jehovah God, there is no other Jehovah God, and there is no other Elohim God. There's only the one. But so much of the doctrine, because of translation and retranslation, was lost. But now it's all the Lord God. Um, the Trinity only came into play from the, the Nicene Creed. That there was there's scriptures that were added into the Bible about like you know the the scripture in Peter where it talks. First Peter says. Um, there are three in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and they, those three agree in one. And then, have you heard that, heard that one? Okay. Yeah, I, I have not heard that one. So, 
Okay. So it says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three are in one. That was actually added to the Bible around 304 years after the birth of the Savior. None of the what? earlier versions of the Bible. What First is John 5, 7 through 8. First John 5, 7 through 8. In the earliest versions of the Bible that we have, I'm that, sorry. I keep hearing it. And I keep writing John, and I'm First John five seven through eight. Okay. So yeah, that wasn't added into the Bible until three to four hundred years after the birth of the Savior, and the doctrine of the Trinity was introduced in three twenty five A.D. And so, like a lot of those scriptures, just were just kind of added in. <laughs> like that's. The, the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity isn't anything that the, the apostles ever taught. None of them ever taught any of that. The word Trinity didn't even... So they said he was like one and stuff. Yeah, they like, said that he was yeah. one and we believe the same thing, that they are one in purpose. Yeah. Just like when Jesus Christ is giving or praying for the people and he says that he prays that they will be all one even as I yeah. and my father are one. He explains right there how him and his father are one. They're one in purpose. They're one in like the same yeah. mind, the same doing. He also says like like you just said, one with the people. Right. That doesn't mean we're all God. Right. Like, like me, me and so other Gessel can't physically be <laughs> one person. That's I, impossible. We pretty much are, right? I'm, oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> no. So we know that Jesus Christ is talking about be one in purpose. Even as I and my father are one. So he explains how him and his father are one person. Right there. Oh, um, so, where did you hear that? Call. Let's take this. Alright. We're going to hear what? About that being added in. Yeah. It was in a talk from some church leader or somebody. Um, no, it wasn't a church leader. But, I mean, Sorry, you can, was you can look it up. I'm sure you'll find it. But I'm going to look that up. Yes. Yes, we are. I mean... Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Hello? Who is that? Hey. Why? Oh. <laughs> it's... Oh, it's on airplane mode. Uh... <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> Bye. Hey, let me pray with you guys real quick. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll leave. Um, God, I thank you for who you are, and uh, thank you for our time together. And I pray that you would... Um, that you would reveal to us your truth and that you would shine through your word and that you would frustrate our plans until we know your truth. That we would not find peace until we find um, your peace. And we know that you're good and you have, um, you have created us and we know that you will save those whom you're going to save. So, God, we trust you with that, and I pray that you would um, just uh, help us accomplish that and uh, accomplish that through us. God, we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.
I appreciate you. your times. Thank Absolutely. You. Or Thanks, time, Ray. not time. <laughs> 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 Revelations. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys. We'll see you.